Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel podcast, where our mindset is like a Swiss army knife in a world of butter knives, multifaceted and ready to carve out success. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I hope B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight or nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft a business you're proud of and a life of impact and freedom that you love. Ever notice how the founders who make it big aren't just skilled, and they're not just lucky either? I've been coaching founders and executive leaders for over 10 years, and the one thing that I've seen over and over and over again is that the successful ones are ridiculously resilient. Resilience, that is something that is is so common in success stories. Winning the SaaS game isn't a sprint. No matter what you've heard or magazine articles you've read, there's no such thing as instant success. Or maybe if you're making rights, instant success rights, that's the only time you see those things together. But building a business is one of those grueling ultra marathons through hills and valleys and maybe a fire swamp or two. No success story is, you know, all up and to the right. You know, every day is not a good day, I promise. And, you know, of course, we have the benefit of knowing how they turned out in the end. But living it can be a little bit different. Most of you know Airbnb. Yeah, amazing story of founding and success, brilliant concept, and things were going well. And then the fire swamp. 2008 recession just crushed the entire recreation and travel markets, and including Airbnb. And, and that really sucks. I mean, they had no control over the macro economy. They could have given up, could have pivoted. You know, the business model done something else, blame the economy, pointed fingers, hey, it's not our fault. It's just how uh, this economy sucks. You know, put things on pause. We'll come back to this later. But winners don't do that. Winners overcome. They find a way. Brian Chesky, uh, one of Airbnb's co-founders and, and his team, they got scrappy, which I love. So what did they do? They sold cereal boxes themed around presidential election to make ends meet. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Cereal from crunchy Captain McCain to Obama O's. Innovation and killer mindset turned a setback into a stepping stone. And they cover their operating costs with cereal. Think about that. That is one of the scrappiest entrepreneur moves that I've seen in a long time. And I think that is absolutely brilliant. and just plays right in there to resilience. How can we become more resilient as leaders? Here's your playbook. First, flip the script. Don't see problems, see challenges. And something to solve, to overcome, to conquer. Words matter, especially the ones you say to yourself. The things that you put in here, control that. So don't look and say, oh, I've got a problem. I've got a challenge. I've got something to solve. Shift your perspective so that it serves you. Think of adversity as a training ground, you know, not a burial ground. And sometimes it can really feel that way. But the other thing that I remember is that your team is watching. And so make sure that you're setting an example worth following. 
Second is the F word. And I'm going to say it now. Ready? Flexibility. Flexibility. I refer to this as the Gumby principle. Some of you will get that reference. Some of you are like, who's Gumby? But if you're as rigid as a two by four, you're going to snap. Be bendy like Gumby. Or think about like gymnasts. Have you ever seen gymnasts, you know, doing their things? I mean, they seem to defy physics. You see it. It's like, how do they do that? That is inhuman. That's not even possible, but it's flexibility. You know, pivoting isn't admitting defeat. It's strategically dodging failure. Don't hang on to a sinking ship just because it's got sentimental value. You know, change your sails, adjust your course, find new winds to chase. And that one is really hard for me. It's hard to let go. And that sentimental value, and that that's that's tough. My default is 100% commitment and ride that ship to the bottom. But that's dumb. Don't do it. And third, build your cheer squad. And this just can't be understated, especially as leaders. We don't do this very well most of the time. But positivity is contagious. So surround yourself with people who can lift you up not drag you down. And and I don't mean just yes men, yes women. You know, you need people who will give it to you straight, tell you the truth, but also help you see the silver lining. And when you're having a bad day, they can lift you up. When they're having a bad day, you can lift them up. And I'll add, you know, be a cheer squad for your crew too. I think that's a good thing to remember. Take care of them because a frazzled panic team is about as helpful as a handbrake on a canoe. But keep morale high. And make sure that everybody has their eye on the horizon, not on the storm that's swirling around. Ready to switch on that high beam mindset and light up those dark entrepreneurial roads ahead of us? Let's do it. Raise a coffee mug. Here's to changing our minds so that we can change our world. If you want practical ways to obliterate obstacles and increase resilience, check out my book, Small Fish, Big Pond, Building a World-Class Business that swim circles around competitors. Small Fish Big Pond delivers powerful marketing and leadership lessons guaranteed to enhance your marketing message, wrap value around your clients, and guide their buying journey to conclude that your company is the only solution for them. It includes step-by-step frameworks, time-tested growth principles to attract ideal clients, convert them, and then transform them into your brand ambassadors. Pick up the print, ebook, or audio today at smallfishbigpond.com, Amazon, or your favorite book source, wherever it may be. And remember, all profits go to charity. Our founder on Tuesday was Omar Jordan, founder and CEO of Coviant, a vertical SaaS fintech that is making the home equity lending experience simpler, faster, and more scalable for community lenders. We talked about business funding options, how to deploy capital, and got some great insights from a multi-time founder. Our expert last week was Martin Huntbach, award-winning marketer, best-selling author, and director at Jammy Digital, where he and partner Lindsay helped SaaS companies find and retain customers who become super fans of their products. My guest today is Jason Criddle, father, investor, athlete, fitness expert, international best-selling author, endurance, and strongman competitor, and, as if that's not enough, founder of Smarter Commerce and Smarter Marketing. Jason builds successful online and offline sales processes, specializing in top-tier performances, brands, writing, and education. He have helped entrepreneurs and companies sell and build more than an estimated $2 billion worth of products, services, and infrastructure. Welcome a guy who does a lot, Jason Criddle. 
Hey, Jason, welcome to SAS Fuel. What's going on, brother? You doing all right? <laughs> doing fantastic. So you founded yeah, multiple companies. You got Smarter Commerce, Smarter Holdings, Smarter Marketing, a lot of smarter things, and then Jason <laughs> Criddle and Associates. Uh, tell me, what has that journey been like, and what was the, the driver behind starting them? I think... Um you know, I, I really got my first opportunity to learn how to scale a company whenever I was a personal trainer of all things. And, uh, you know, I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning and then getting home and going to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And my schedule just, it, it was never full. It was sporadic. I mean, just everywhere there's 30 minutes here an hour there and so i was always trying to get naps in my car and i was fighting for custody of my daughter and i just you know it's like an infomercial there's got to be a better way and, uh, <laughs> right and and so i started having all of my clients meet me at the gym between 6 and 8 p.m i had already spent a considerable amount of time building a relationship between my clients to where this wasn't awkward or anything. All my clients knew my knowledge. I never held back uh, to try and keep a person from trying to keep a client from moving on from me. I taught them all how to spot. I taught everybody nutrition, how to cook. Um, you know, it, it led into leadership more than it did training. And so Naturally, whenever I moved everybody into six to eight, not only did I build this really big community, but I freed up my entire day. And so wow. I was able to spend that time with my daughter. I was able to start um, speaking. Um, we had this uh, at one of the gyms I worked at. We had this Saturday uh, get together where we would have like 100 or so people come in and talk about fitness and life and Eventually, they had me host it, and then that led to writing books, and then I started building websites and apps. Uh, after a couple of years of uh, doing custom work for people and not making any money because, you know, you take on a job and you're just iteration after iteration, change after change for customers that don't necessarily know what they want or know what they need. Um, I decided that the most successful companies have a product they're, or they're a software company working on a specific market segment or whatever it is, but they're not letting a customer take control of their time by always asking for changes inside something that they're building custom. And right. so rather than... Uh, Rather than building websites, we just started working on scalability, you know, building mm. something that we could resell over and over again. And yeah, that was about seven or eight years ago. So I went from fitness to speaking to writing books. And and then I one of the very first websites that I flipped, so to speak, uh, when I got into the industry was an investment broker. And I mean, like, it just taught me. It just taught me everything that I know now. That's great. So what is Smarter Holdings, Smarter Commerce, Smarter Marketing? What do the, the companies do or what are the apps? 
so smarter marketing gives people the ability to create an affiliate marketplace for whatever it is they're selling. Uh, subsequently, their app becomes a sales tool because every user or customer that gets on their app, uh, they become a, they get a referral code. They become a sales force for that company to promote it. And then uh, we have a couple of different website and um, and invoicing products out there through Smarter Commerce, but Smarter Commerce also processes the transactions that's going on inside all this stuff that's going out there. Um, Smarter Holdings is it's uh, it's it's something rather new that we're putting together. It's just uh, I started working on it a few years ago and then stepped back from Smarter for a while. And so what I am ultimately trying to do is build a portfolio of some real estate to take advantage of, you know, K-1 and tax benefits, but mostly uh, teaching, teaching all these real estate investors here in Texas. As you know, we're both in Dallas. We're surrounded yep. by real estate investors and we're both in the software industry. Yep. And so what I'm really trying to do with Smarter Holdings is start to educate investors about diversifying into um, not just small business or not just SaaS, but small business companies that are using technology to scale. Um, you know, anytime you go to one of these networking events where all these real estate investors are gathering, literally every one of them also own a small business. And then every right. one of them all use apps to invest in their real estate. They're all using apps for their small business. And none of them are thinking about investing in that stuff because a lot just don't know where to start. That's really, really good. Uh, it's it's interesting building a company. And then, you know, what do you do with the cash flow that it's, it's spitting out? How do you reinvest that? And you can do it. And the, the same company and other companies and, and real estate has been a great vehicle uh, over the years. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I definitely, I love all the tax advantages that real estate gives. Um, and, you know, and that's also one of the things we have a, a lot on our website about how a lot of those same tax advantages do apply to small businesses that are uh, investing in in um or, or that are running SaaS or small businesses. Just a simple example is like a ten thirty one exchange. A sure. lot of people are getting education on how to uh, use uh, an IRA or a retirement account to invest inside a real estate vehicle. But the reason why uh, there's so much education out there is because there's just it's just such a huge industry. And so especially yeah. here in Texas, you have meetups and groups. And I mean, like to me, like when you get on meetup.com, meetup.com is not a place to meet communities. It's a place for real estate investors to all put <laughs> all of their meetings that are happening. And so there's just, there's so much of it. It's so saturated. And so yeah. just, you know, I think guys like you and me, um, we can just offer a little bit more insight, not, you know, and just let people know that there, there are other options out there. And the cool thing is about the other options that are out there is our options build community. And that's one of the things that I really yeah. love about SaaS is whenever you're dealing with 
a, a pool, at least what I see in, in general meetings. If you're meeting with a group of people that are all kind of competing against each other to go after deals, um, which which are the real estate investors that I'm educating versus entrepreneurs and tech entrepreneurs that are getting together to teach each other how to grow and always building a community of having each other's backs and utilizing each other's skills. It's like, if we could really just kind of mold those together and show real estate investors that there, there's no competition over here. There's collaboration over here. Right. And I think right. that's one of, uh, I think that TV has helped kind of lead that in, like giving investors a name of sharks and making it seem like if you want to get into this, this small business realm, then you have to put on a suit and you have to have cameras and you have to have this big production value and you have to have, uh, investors competing against each other to write million dollar checks. And it sends the wrong message to a lot of people that are really trying to get into the industry. Some people think that an idea would ultimately lead to a check. And then a lot of people who would be investors, which are people that have retirement accounts that they would otherwise roll over into real estate, those people are thinking, well, I don't know if I want to put on a business suit and go become a part of uh, a huge, you know, shark infested group of investors competing against each other in order right. to invest in a company. Uh, I love the collaborative aspect of it because it's, it's just fun to do deals with other people. Right. It's not a zero right. sum game where one person wins and somebody else has to lose. I mean, you you can do things collaboratively, and and have multiple people win. Yeah, that's uh that's one of the things that I do that I've always loved about small businesses. Most of the success that I've had has just come from simply being available to educate other people, putting myself out there and, you know, joining, uh, joining Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups, and then uh, writing on Quora, and just offering my knowledge wherever I can. And, uh, you know, that's led to books, it's led to Forbes articles, it's led to a lot of different things. But the cool thing about having that education out there is it's, it's like a bunch of planted seeds and it's always working for itself. And yeah. so, um, you know, that's one of the things that I really try to teach entrepreneurs that are trying to launch that small business or that SaaS brand is the obscurity aspect of it. Um, we live in a day and age where it, we're, we're living a day and age where people are looking for leadership, uh, yes. especially younger generations. And so the reason why, you know, Russell Branson has a very successful click funnels company is not just because it's a good product, but it's because of the community that he built on camera while he was building his company. I mean, yeah. like I remember him walking, recording and walking into through the streets of New York 
and he was talking to a guy that was selling CDs, his own mixed CDs on the side of the road. And he was talking to the guy about the system that he had put together out there on the side of the road. And he was comparing that to a funnel and letting people know that, you know, this is exactly what you, and it was just, it was really cool how he did so much to communicate with the people that were building that were building their companies using his product. He didn't just put a product out there. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the collaborative pieces that we're talking about that a lot of new entrepreneurs are missing because of the wrong information. Because because they see uh, TV shows that tell them they should get millions of dollars for free so whenever you have guys like us that say it might take you three to five years before you become profitable, then somebody goes, well, I'm just going to spend the next three to five years looking for that guy that'll write me a million dollar check rather than spending that three to five years effectively building a company that would not need that million dollar check. Right, right. Yeah, grinding versus uh, just getting a, a check. Right. Finding a way to, to make it, finding a way to be profitable, finding a way to bootstrap, finding a way to find, you know, to get that product market fit, to build an MVP. Yeah. Yeah. And to have your customers take you seriously. Yes. Um, you know, like uh, whenever I go to the grocery store, I can pretty much guarantee barring weird acts of God and, you know, any extenuating circumstance, I can pretty much guarantee that I can walk in there and I can get my groceries and I can leave. And so to me, that's business, that's commerce, but networking and meeting people and talking four or five times before you talk about what it is that you do for a living. And then, doing things like showing up late to a meeting or missing a text message or missing something that takes away someone's confidence in your ability to effectively provide them with a valuable product or service before a product or service is ever presented. That's not business. And that is a lot of what networking is today. That's what that's a lot of what people are doing out in the world. I think COVID kind of disrupted um, a lot of the motivations and the drive and the ambition that a lot of people had that that grit to go out there and just bust, bust, bust and hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, it's definitely changed. But the cool thing is, is I can see it coming back. I can see it coming back in a lot of people. And so. Now I'm just, you know, especially now that I'm trying to put together, open up an office and, you know, and find like a sales team. And, you know, so now it's we have a hiring ads and and trying to have some really good conversations with the right people. But it's uh, definitely having to go through a lot more people to find those conversations with those right people nowadays. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, your background is a lot different than a lot of other people in, in business and in the tech space. I mean, endurance athlete, strongman competitor, personal trainer. 
How has your athletic background influenced how you think about business and your approach to entrepreneurship? Um, since I got into the fitness industry, I have come to learn that most of the successful people that I have met are not necessarily people that are in shape, but they're people that have some kind of social or physical activity that they do on a regular basis that they work into their schedule for life. And so it doesn't necessarily have to do with being a bodybuilder or an athlete as much as it has to do with uh, doing something disciplined that makes you uncomfortable. And Mm. so one thing about having been a 400 pound man that became 215 pounds and then I helped, you know, hundreds of people lose thousands of pounds before I wrote books about it. I, and even though I still struggle with weight myself and I yo-yo a lot, I do have the ability to help someone go into the gym and change. Uh, And then I have the ability to go into the gym and change. But how many times do we see someone who goes to the gym month after month, year after year, and their body has literally never changed, regardless of how hard they have seemed to work out? They might lose five or 10 pounds here or there, but it just always kind of comes and it goes. So in order for your body to change, you have to bring in a few scientific principles, uh, progressive overload, lifting more than you were. You have to, you have to really learn how your muscles break down. You have to learn how to refuel those muscles. You have to learn some things, but the most important thing is, is you have to have discipline to follow through on something that you might not necessarily see results on today. Hmm. And to me, that is building a business. And, and if, and to me, the reason why athletes, so to speak, are better in entrepreneurship, at least from my experience, is because a lot of athletes, they have instilled inside their character, following through on something, even if they're not seeing results today. And then you couple that with the fact that, man, brother, I mean, I'm 270 pounds right now. I'm on my way back down to like 240 or 50 on a on a eight year cycle of having been over 350 pounds. When you're out of shape, you don't have the energy that you do when you're in shape. Yeah. I still don't have the energy that I did back whenever I was crossfitting, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like <laughs> I was working out 10 times a day and I was doing sales and writing books. And I mean, all the time I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but I mean, and you know, no coffee, no, no, no supplements, nothing. But, but now I'm just trying to be realistic. And so as long as I get in a walk every day or I make it to the gym every day or a combination of both, then I'm really satisfied. But the most important thing is whenever I do go on just a three mile walk, a lot of that walk is uphill. It's fast. I sprint during it. It's very uncomfortable and I sweat like a dog. And whenever I go to the gym, 
the only reason why I was able to help so many people lose so much weight, and the only reason why I was able to lose weight myself is because I don't do three sets of 12. I go in there and I work out like a madman. And having that in my schedule, not only does it make me better at sales, because I know that the prospect that I'm talking to probably didn't deadlift 400 pounds this morning. And that gives me confidence. Hmm. Yeah. Whenever I go, whenever I've walked my three miles and I've had a gym session before I do anything, I feel more energized. And whenever I don't, I don't feel like I'm giving my all that day. And so whenever I can literally tell the difference in how a phone call will go based off of whether or not I've worked out that day, then to me, it just seems better to go work out that day. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of business owners really struggle with, with maintaining a healthy lifestyle. I mean, it, it's taking care of ourselves gets put on the back burner a lot of the time. So what kind of advice do you have that, uh, that we can stop doing that and, and, and really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, doing healthy things and, and finding the time uh, to do that? You're going to die one day. And so I've lost... I remember when I lost my mom, it was just a couple of years ago and it kind of went back to this. I read this article just the other day and they were talking about this. This doctor said, whenever people die, he said, people on their deathbed very rarely talk about the time that they miss with their kids. And they very rarely talk about the time that they, the things they didn't pursue in their career. He said they mostly talk about all the time that they spent in pain because they didn't take care of their health. And so Mm. when my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, they gave her six to eight months to live and she was gone in four days. But she had already been in the hospital for many months up until that point, Um, literally just defecating on herself the entire time. And I just remember the talks that we had in her last days, she was so miserable and so angry with herself because she did not take care of herself. And I remember whenever I was a personal trainer and I was helping so many people lose weight, I couldn't get my mom to go on a walk with us. I could never get her into the gym. In the 30-something years that I was alive with memory that my mom was alive, I never saw my mom use a flight of stairs. And so she got to a point to where she used her body so little that the use of her body ran her out of breath or it caused her pain. So that just predicated, you know, it just, it just compounds, like it just gets worse and worse. And so all of a sudden, by the time my mom was in her fifties and sixties, she wasn't walking like a normal person. She couldn't sit on the ground. If she fell on the ground, you could not get her up without calling an ambulance to come help you get her up because she was so heavy and she had no use of her body. My dad died just a couple of weeks ago. He died on September 1st. I didn't have a relationship with him, but I do know that he spent the last three years of his life in a wheelchair and he died of pneumonia. Wow. And so 
I can't sit here like a silly guy and say like, I don't want to die, but I have the ability to look at my life a little bit differently because I've been very, very in shape and I've been very, very out of shape and I know how miserable my body is and how it feels and how I have no energy and how I don't want to do anything and how I will literally make an excuse about everything whenever I'm out of shape. But I do know that whenever I'm not in shape, but whenever I'm consistently going for walks or going to the gym and making an effort to not eat like crap, I feel better. I just genuinely feel better. And so I have the ability as a 40-year-old man to look at my life in a way that I don't think my parents ever would or were able Mm. to. Like whenever they both turned 40, I remember they were just abusive and miserable and fighting all the time. At no time did I see either one of them sit down and try to analyze their life and where they were based on their own parents' death, based on the career path of their own parents. Like I'm a, I'm a millennial and a lot of people say that baby boomers were the last greatest generation or last great generation. And I believe that the baby boomers worked their asses off, but they worked their asses off on things that don't necessarily apply to the world that we live in now. Hmm. And that was the world that we're left with. And so now it's really easy to say, oh, you know, oh, you youngsters should just go get a job and work really hard and go to college and do all this stuff that I did. And it's like, have you seen the weather? Have you seen the trash? Have you seen the war? Have you seen the fires? Have you seen the fact that people come out of college and they literally have no chance at the career that you had? Have you seen this? And and so that's the thing, brother. It's like, like I understand that we're all trying to make this balance of our health and our life and our business and everything. But I mean, dude, I mean, at some point we just got to open up our eyes to reality that the world is changing and it's changing quickly. And we, we need to get in shape for our kids. We need to get in shape for ourselves. Like it's hard to find the time to take care of your health. But like my mom said, you know, she said she wished that (laughs) she said she wished she found the time. She said, nobody finds the time to take care of yourself and take care of your health until you're dying from it. It's what she told me, you know, and I just never want to get to that point. I never want to get to the point to where my organs are shutting down and I'm having to fill out paperwork because I'm being taken from this earth because of bad choices when I could have just gone for a walk with my family. And, and that could have been something great. It's not hard. We could have gotten time together. I mean, there's so much that comes from that. And I think we live in this world of Instagram models and, supplements being shoved down your face and 
and bodybuilding standards saying that you have to have these shoulders and this proportion in order to be healthy. And that right there, just like the shark tank thing, just like it just, when people look at the sheer amount of work that they think they're going to have to do to accomplish a goal, it just demotivates them from ever starting in the first place. And it kind of goes back to what you're saying just about athletes that they have that, the, just a thought process, they have the discipline, they follow through and they, they can delay that outcome. And just like you do in, in, in business. So what role do you think mindset plays in achieving success in business and in, in health? Uh, consistency. And so, you know, it's funny how all these things, not only do all these things really kind of go hand in hand in fitness and I learned them, all, but I learned them all in the fitness industry because I learned when I was a trainer that most people just have the same problem. Like everybody has the same problems in their relationships. Uh, they have the same problems in their, uh, you know, at, at their jobs, whatever it is. And at some point, someone gets motivated. They see something, a uh, video or something online, or someone gets inspired, or someone gets scared because they lose a loved one. And so in every one of those situations, someone will make the decision to go to the gym. Okay, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start today. I'm going to diet today. Right. I'm going to go throw away everything in the, in the kitchen and I'm going to, you know, start all this. And Well, within a couple of days, like all those decisions, they all start falling down. You know, it's like, like. You know, you start looking for the junk food and then you're so sore because you literally like killed yourself whenever you went into the gym, you know, in order to be successful at anything, you have to build habits in yeah. order to be successful in business. We have to build processes. So you understand this, especially when you're getting a new SaaS company off the ground. If you have a couple new sales guys out there and somebody makes a sale, it's like, what did you do? Everybody come here. We need to talk about this. Right. Right. And so just like you need to have an operating manual so that whenever you have new engineers come in, they can start building whatever it is that you're building. Just like you need to have a training program so that whenever new customer service agents come in, they can start uh, having the culture that you're trying to build for your business, all these things that small businesses aren't thinking about that make a big business a real business. These are all put in place by processes and habits. At some point, consistency has to start being a key driver in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. So if you're trying to go to the gym or if you're trying to get in shape, going to the gym on a regular basis, drinking more water on a regular basis, all these little things have to start becoming more and more consistent. The same thing would be checking your email at a specific time rather than checking it all day and letting it distract you. Building a sales model for your salespeople to follow and hiring a sales leader to come in 
and take care of your entire commission-driven sales team so that you can focus on other things in the business. There, there are systems that people can put in place all the time, but most entrepreneurs, they, they can only get as far as they believe they are smart. And you know as well as I do, most entrepreneurs know everything. So there's not a whole <laughs> lot that we can teach them, you know? And so whenever you're dealing with the mindset or the mentality that you know everything and that you're smarter than everybody that you could possibly bring in to help you and that you would rather just do it yourself, that impedes your success. So not only do you have to, not only do we have to build habits, not only do we have to build processes that would allow us to be success, successful, we also have to put ourselves in an environment where we're surrounded by people that have more knowledge than us, a personal trainer joining a CrossFit class or an accelerator program, getting a mentorship, joining up with entrepreneurs that are actively working towards what it is you're doing. Those are all those drivers. And the cool thing about the social aspect of it, Jeff, is once you get implemented into a, a, a workout class where People expect you to show up every day. And once you get into an accelerator class where people are looking forward to you showing up every day, then all of a sudden what happens? Habits get formed. Processes get built. It's no longer about motivation or inspiration or something happening that's forcing you to make a jolt that day. It's little consistent things all that little consistent effort, and that's what builds a business. And that's yeah. the reason why it could take years that somebody might not understand or somebody might not want it to take because all those steps and all those days, it's teaching you. It's, it's building your character. If you imagine yourself as being a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, you're going to have to grow up in ways that you never thought imaginable before yeah. that million dollars ever appears. Yeah, that's one of the things that, that holds back growth is is ourselves not growing into to what it's going to take to get there. I think that's a really, really good point. Yeah. So, Jesse, you wrote a book called The Smarter Formula, international bestseller. Uh, tell me a little bit about the formula. You know, Give me an overview of what that is and how it helps entrepreneurs achieve their goals. So, um, I think a lot of times we get caught on, we get caught, I, I call it, uh, I call it like, oh, a typical, not new entrepreneur time waster. Uh, and so, I've seen people burn through runway on a splash page. I've seen people burn through investment dollars on logos and graphics. I've seen people waste years before they ever got a product out because they have not taken the time to really just focus on the simple aspects of business and the simple aspect of business is 
You need a product or service that provides value to a customer. And that's it. And once you have something that somebody sees more valuable than the dollar that they have in their pocket, then they will give that to you in exchange. And so ideally, we want to get there as fast as possible with as little thought and money as possible. We want to test and see if there's even customers available before we spend money on an LLC. And so a lot of times people will just spend so much time and effort on new entrepreneur, typical time wasting activities that have absolutely nothing to do with obtaining a customer's payment in your pocket. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to take this product and give it to them in exchange for this. And so we just like to teach, build a website, a landing page, whatever it is, build whatever graphics that you need in order to get your product launched and go out there and find your first dozen customers or so, even if you don't have a product to give them. And if you don't have a product to give them, then make sure that customer knows that you're getting a discount for this delay or there's going to be this delay before the product is made. We're making the product. We're gaining interest. We are doing whatever. But before you even go out and talk to that first customer, make sure not only do you have a beautiful website in place, make sure you have a terms and conditions in place and a privacy policy in place product information in place with a description and a refund policy and a legitimate product sale, you know, a legitimate product or service that you're selling somebody in a professional manner to where they can take payment right there on the spot when you're having that conversation, not a contact form that says contact me, not something that says call me for a demo, treat it like a real business. And whenever you do go out there and you finally do find a a customer that does give you money in exchange for your product, deliver that product and be a service-oriented person when you give them that product. Like whenever I meet people, I'll give you an example, man. And this is a really good example. Years ago, I was in multi-level marketing and... And I had this huge, gigantic Dallas cowboy come and knock on my door because he was curious how I was selling all of their product really, really fast. And he taught me a lot about the company. And then he asked me if I would come to his house and make these protein shakes for people. And this guy was like this multi-million dollar earner. He was an ex-NFL player, huge, respectable guy, great guy, great guy, nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with the guy. But while he had these dozens of people in his house that were uh, drinking these protein shakes and watching the sales video and everything on TV and having a great time, I was thinking to myself, this guy makes millions of dollars and he has people in his house making protein shakes. And they were all thinking it too. They didn't know they were thinking it, but they were thinking it. Hmm. Right. And so while he's, while they have this formula, this sales formula of bringing people into your house and making them watch the DVD and doing all this. And while they might actually get some customers by doing it, 
Most of those customers were doing chargebacks by the end of the month. They were calling for refunds mm, within wow. 24 hours. They felt pushed into the sales. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, they were all having regret because they were all thinking, in order for me to be successful, I'm going to have to have people in my house and I'm going to have to make them shakes. You know what I mean? Like, think yeah. about all this. So... The beautiful thing about SaaS is you can usually have a website or an app that delivers a product or a service and it has terms and conditions and privacy policy. Everything is in place. It works. Your customers are taken care of. They have frequently asked questions and educational videos in order to explain everything to them. If it goes beyond that, then you can have a customer service team in place, which is usually already your development team that's building it. To me, man, software as a service is the easiest business model on the planet. And it can't get any better as far as scalability, as far as investability, as far as the collaboration between the community of entrepreneurs, man. Just get your product to market and get customers, guys. That's that's it. It's, it's simple. Well, you built a number of successful sales processes. You've been a successful salesperson yourself. And so you've taken that forward for lots of companies, including your own. What are some mistakes that you've seen that, uh, that leaders make when they're selling their products and services? Um, relying too much on selling. And so one of the things that I've gotten into, I guess, and especially in the last few years is I try to teach people about that obscurity aspect that we were talking about earlier in the game. Mm -hmm. um, at a certain point, certain people don't have to introduce themselves. At a certain point, certain people don't have to sell their product. At a certain, you know, like, famous entrepreneurs we want to buy their stuff just so we can say hey i bought your thing on right, a comment right. board on <laughs> social media you know and like and we feel good and that's the thing that's the positive aspect of social media that it has given the people we won't talk i i don't want to go into a negative talk about influencers i want to talk about the positive side of influencers the positive side of influence is if you do have a valuable product or service and you do have a name for yourself and you do have PR and you do have content out there that's available for people to read, well, then all of a sudden, cha-ching, 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 customers buy things. You don't, you don't have to sell it. And one of the cool things about Smarter, that's the cool thing about Smarter Marketing and Smarter Commerce is I've literally never gone out and done a sales presentation on Smarter Marketing or Smarter Commerce. I've gone on radio shows. I've done podcasts. I've uh, We don't advertise on social media, but just by doing simple things like this. All of a sudden, when you put this out and your audience hears this, then there will start being ripples and people will start using the service. Hmm. And so that simple, that simple thing right there is what can help someone grow. And it's the mistake that somebody could possibly be making. What happens when Mr. Sales Leader 
your vi- your video goes viral or uh, you make a good connection or you have a person that is a decision maker at a top tier company and then they Google you and they can't find Jack about you except your Facebook page where you're drinking with your friends, you know? Yeah. So the thing that a lot of people are missing is not only, not only taking the time to improve themselves consistency consistently through leadership development, but by showing the world that of their growth through leadership development. Um, we, I have a, a website and it's not like anything special. It's a few pages of information, but one of my favorite pages on my website is my media page. And I, I'm not saying anything about it to gloat. It has some Forbes articles that I was blessed to write. It has links to books that I have sold. And then it has interviews where people have interviewed me, uh, like just like this interview now, uh, over the years. But, but the thing is, is it shows like a 10 year track record of my career. And it's literally a directory of where I was in my career when I started in fitness and whenever I got into publishing and then whenever I got, and so people, my audience, so to speak, literally gets to see my growth. And then whenever a decision maker at a company looks me up to see if they want me to come and work for them as a consultant or to see if they want me to talk to them about their technology needs, well, now I don't have to have any weird, awkward sales conversations to them. I don't have to demo things. I don't have to sit down and talk to somebody about what it is that I'm trying to sell them. They're coming to me because they're ready to buy it. And they know that I'm a leader that can provide that to them. And so it changes the conversation. So the thing that a lot of leaders could be missing out on, they're missing out on starting a podcast. They're missing out on putting out a few books. They're missing out on putting consistent content out in the world that shows that not only that you know what you're talking about, but that you're growing in the field that you say you're talking about. Everybody can, everybody can make a Facebook page and make an ad and throw $500 into it with a video in front of their friend's Lamborghini. But when you (laughs) Google that person, when you Google that person, what you find is what really matters. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, what drives you? You know, you, you're passionate about helping other entrepreneurs, you know, looking at uh, real estate investing and getting involved in referrals. You know, what, what really drives all of that for you? Faith and family, brother. Faith and family, you know, like, it sounds silly to say that I wake up every day and I believe that God has a purpose for me to meet people and have meaningful conversations. Yeah. But that's really what I look forward to on a regular basis. Um, I look forward to those meaningful conversations. And fortunately, I'm at a point in my life to where I don't have to 
really do much in order to make a living except just communicate with people. And so I'm blessed to be able to homeschool my daughter and then be at home with my uh, toddler son, you know, full time. Um, I'm blessed to be able to work from my phone and travel whenever I want to. And so I think my driver is just knowing that being consistent is what got me here. And I kind of have a cool life. I, I believe I have a cool, I mean, look at my, to- look at my background. <laughs> like I have, you know, like I, my, I have, you know, I kind of, my, my apartment is kind of like this cool, like, uh, it's just like a cool place. I, I look forward to waking up. Um, I don't have, I don't even know what the definition of a bad marriage or a bad relationship could be because that's just not what my relationship is like with my wife. We have an absolutely stellar, amazing relationship and we just have amazing kids. And, and so I guess one thing is, man, I, I just realize I try to realize all the time that many, many years ago I prayed for this life, you know? And so even though, Things might not be going the exact way that I want them to today. I still have a pretty cool life. And that just kind of keeps me. That's great. Well, where can people learn more about you online? Uh, Google Jason Criddle. Go to jasoncriddle.com. And that'll pretty much uh, take them anywhere. Oh, well, by the time people see this, um, we might have launched Build Any Brand. So Build Any Brand is like this central point that's going to like lead people to the companies. And then, um, you know, I'm starting like a Roku channel, the build any brand Roku channel, and then it'll lead them to Jason Criddle and everything. So they'll find me. Awesome. And we'll be sure and link all of that in the show notes and keep us posted on build your brand. Thanks again, Jason, for coming on the show and sharing your journey, mindset and insights. You can learn more about Jason and his companies at jasoncriddle.com. As always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. And be sure and check us out on YouTube as well. Full episodes, shorts, outtakes, and quite a bit more. Subscribe or follow us wherever it is that you're hearing us and tell your friends about us too. Everyone who subscribes this week gets a confidence confetti cannon. So when you're feeling low, just point that bad boy at the sky, fire it off, and let self-assurance rain down on you. Just uh, don't use it indoors because self-worth is hard to vacuum. Join us next Tuesday where our founder guest is Stacy Chan. She is an award-winning reporter and media expert turned SaaS founder. She co-founded a generative AI company called One Billion Stories, and they just launched their flagship product called Videofy.ai, which helps brands and publishers scale video and social media creation. It is a really amazing tool. You're going to love that episode. And next week, one week from today on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series, we have Leon Barnard. He leads a design education team at Balsamic. He is the author of Wireframing for Everyone. And we'll be talking about modern UX design, wireframing, and how to successfully transfer ideas from your head to production lightning fast. I mean, we can get functional and technical teams on the same page. And that is a thing of beauty when that happens. So I will see you next time. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. 
full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sassfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sassfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Let's go!